Let's get started. There's a story told of a man has taken a ride in a taxi. He wants to start a conversation with the taxi driver, so he reaches up and he taps the taxi driver on the shoulder to get his attention. Instantly, the driver screams, he loses control of the car, he nearly hits a bus, and he stops inches from a storefront window. For a second, everything is quiet in the cab. Then the driver finally said, look, dude, don't ever do that again. You scared the living daylights out of me. The passenger apologized and he said, you know, I, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that a little tap on the shoulder would, would cause to scare, would, would scare you so much. And the driver replied, you know what, I'm sorry, it's really not your fault. He said, today is my first day as a cab driver. For the past 25 years, I have driven for a funeral home. <laughs> there you go, your joke of the day. Well, today we're going to be continuing our series, Foolproof, from the book of Proverbs. And we have been, over the last few weeks, unpacking some of my favorite Proverbs, and today is no different. Today's proverb has, has saved me from more headache than any other. I probably quote this proverb, proverb to myself more than any other, and I still don't have this right. This is something I'm probably going to be working on. I know I'm going to be working on for the rest of my life. This is something that we, none of us in here can perfect. And so even talking about this subject, you know, kind of makes me feel like a bit of a hypocrite because it's impossible to address this subject and not be guilty of it yourself because this is something that we all struggle with. But following the advice from this one small proverb has saved me a tremendous amount of grief. We're actually, just to let you know, we're going to be wrapping this series up today. There's much more that we could, we could spend in Proverbs, but the reason that we're going to wrap it up, Lynn is going to be teaching next week. I encourage you to be here. She has a powerful message. That's right. We're going to start tailgating Thursday night if you want to come in and start tailgating and prep for that. You want to make sure you do that to get a, get a seat. <laughs> but anyway, Lynn's preaching next week. She's got a powerful message on forgiveness. You want to make sure that you're here. But then the week after that, I believe it's June 12th, I, I feel this urgency in my spirit more so than probably ever before that I need to do a specific series that I'm going to be calling Set Free. It's a series that's based on, it's a spiritual warfare series. We're going to be digging, really digging into the weeds on some stuff. I typically don't do that on a Sunday morning, but I really feel this urgency from the Holy Spirit to go this direction. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the spirit realm. We're going to be talking about a lot of these things um, because a lot of God's people are in bondage. Uh, we really are, and, and so I believe that God is going to use this series to really set some people free, and so I'm, I'm just encouraging you to make sure that you are here, make sure that you are here every week of that series. I, I cannot stress that enough. So about a month ago when we started this particular series, I challenged you to read a chapter out of Proverbs every day for a month. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Uh, half your months have 31 days. So basically it's a proverb, a chapter of proverb per day. Um, if you did that, and I also challenged you to memorize one proverb or one scripture verse a week. And so if you've done that, you have now memorized five scriptures from when we started this. I know it's not a lot, but over the course of the year, if you keep doing that and making it a practice, you'll memorize a lot of scripture. Memorization is how we hide the word of God in our hearts. 
so we can access it when we face difficult situations in life, kind of like today's. So here we go. Today's proverb is Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19, and this is what it says. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. I'm calling this message the folly of many words. Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ as I prepare to present this great truth from your word. Lord, I, unless, you, unless you anoint these words, this message will fall flat. It will be meaningless. But God, if you anoint these words, they will go forth and they will challenge us. They will transform us and we will leave this place different than when we walked in. And God, that is my prayer today. God, I also want to just take a moment and pray and remember these recent shootings as of late. We were hit with the news of the tragedy in Texas, and then a couple weeks ago it was Buffalo, and we've got other things that, that aren't even covered with the media attention that we were seeing, and the shootings are on the rise. And, and God, we just we pray a special prayer over the families of these victims today, Lord. And I cannot imagine what they're going through and the grief that they're, that they're suffering through. But your word says, God, that you are close to the brokenhearted. So God, in this place today, we just lift these precious lives up to you and we pray, God, for comfort and we pray for peace during this difficult time. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in World War II, there was a motto that, says, that said, loose lips sink ships. You've probably heard that. Here are some examples of some posters that were published during that time to help discourage servicemen involved in any faction of the war from releasing or from speaking classified information. The idea was the fact that you never knew if a spy from another country was near you listening in. So the soldiers were strongly encouraged to watch what they would say when they were on leave or when they were interacting with another person out in public because there was always the potential of listening ears around them. If they spoke too much and they gave away vital information regarding a mission or whatever, it could cost the lives of servicemen and servicewomen. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. More than 150 times in the book of Proverbs, the tongue or the words we say is mentioned. Words have the power to help. They have the power to heal. But they also have the power to harm and they have the power to humiliate. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. You have the power and I have the power to heal or destroy based on the words that we speak. Back in elementary school, we used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but finish it up. But words will never hurt me. Unfortunately, that's not true. Sticks and stones may indeed break our bones, but bones heal. Words, on the other hand, stick with us and they hurt us many times for years. Some of you in here today are still carrying around the negative words that were spoken over you as a child. You're carrying around the negative words that were spoken over you by a spouse. Words pierce like a sword. 
they leave wounds. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16 says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in community. Of the seven things that we read that are detestable to the Lord, three of them have to do with the tongue. This tells me that how we choose, and this is a choice, to use our tongue is a pretty serious deal to God. And it's a big deal because of the power behind it. So let's talk about this. I want to talk about three specific areas today that we all struggle with that have the potential to destroy you. Remember, he who holds his tongue is wise. But the voice of folly is loud. The voice of folly is going to try to pull you into this trap. So number one is lying. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 22 says this, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Now, lying isn't really frowned upon in our society anymore. We don't rank, if I would ask you to rank sins on a scale of 1 to 10, as 10 being most serious in your eyes, we know in God's eyes they're all the same. But if I would have you rate a scale as a sins 10 to 1, 10 being the most severe, for many of us, lying probably wouldn't even make the list. As a matter of fact, we've developed something, we call something, uh, it's called a little white lie. And basically what we're saying is, it's okay. But God tells us that lying lips are detestable to me. Now this is easy for me to stand before you and preach this, but this is very difficult to live out. Because it is easy to lie. We don't want to get in trouble we want to cover things up. And so for most of the time, for some of us, it's not, we don't even give a second thought to it, and we just naturally, it comes out. But a lying tongue can cause you to lose your reputation. So it's happened to some of you. It can cause you to lose your job. It can cause you to lose your family. It can destroy your trustworthiness with another person. On the other hand, if we make it a point to always speak the truth, we don't have to worry about remembering what we said to cover it up because the truth always remains the same. The, the truth, usually the story does not change. So this is why detectives will interrogate a person for hours and hours and hours on end that are accused of a crime because what they're trying to do is they're trying to see if they're lying, they're going to catch them eventually. They're going to see that their story will change because after so many times we have trouble remembering what we told to cover it up to begin with. So when words are many, sin is not absent. The more you talk, the more chance you have to tell a lie. Number two is gossip. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 9. This is all over the book of Proverbs, by the way. It says, with their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. Wow, it says if we destroy our neighbor with our mouth, this hits home for me. 
I'm guilty of this as well. The Word of God says we are godless. If you destroy your neighbor with your mouth, the Word of God says we are godless. This is serious business to God. Jesus defines our neighbor in the Gospels. Our neighbor is other people, not just the people living next door to you. You are my neighbor, I am your neighbor. So to help you understand this better, it could say, with their mouths, the godless destroy other people. Gossip is one of the ways that we destroy other people. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 16 says, Do not go about spreading slander among your people. The word slander is translated from a Hebrew word that means talebearer or informer. It's gossip. It's telling the tale of another person, of someone to another person. It's informing someone of something in the life of another person, and there's really no reason for it. God says don't do it, but oh, how often do we do it? Again, this is easier to preach than it is to live. You see, we like juicy information, As a matter of fact, Kyla and I can be at home having a conversation in the living room. Kids are all in their bedrooms. And as soon as something is said that is a bit quote unquote interesting, if you know what I mean, here they come. What? What was that? What'd you say? I mean, they come out of the room so fast you think we just shut off the internet or something. It's unbelievable. But that's the way we are. That's why we are drawn to all of these conspiracy theories and things like that because that's the kind of information that interests us. We want to hear it and we want to tell it. In the eyes of God, it's called sin. But you see, we Christians, we spiritualize this by, by, by something. It goes, it goes something like this. This is kind of what, us, what we Christians do to spiritualize our gossip. We go up to someone and we say, hey, would you pray for such and such right now? Her husband, he's being a jerk again, a lazy bum. She really needs wisdom to make her marriage work. So if you could just remember her when you pray, that would be wonderful. And of course, the other person says, oh yes, of course I will pray. Why, what's going on? (laughs) And there we go. And we gossip, and we slander, and we do it in the name of the Lord. When words are many, sin is not absent. Here are three questions that you can ask yourself to test whether you should repeat the information to someone else or if you should keep it to yourself. You may have heard these before. I'm not making these up. These are things that I have used to help me distinguish, hey, should I be sharing this information or should I be keeping it to myself? The first one is you ask yourself, is this information true? Is it true? No one has the right to tell a story about another person unless they are absolutely certain that it is true. One of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16 says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You must not lie about another person. So, is it true? Number two, the question that we ask is, is it nice? And I'm giving you a lot of information today. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, he says, Be kind to one another, 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see, the information that you have might be true, but it might not be nice, and therefore it doesn't need to be said. So number one, is it true? Number two, is it nice? Number three is what I'm about to say, helpful. Is what you're going to say helpful to the person that's either you're telling it about or the information? Is the person that you're telling need to have this information for something? It could, if, it's at, if it's at work or something like that, it could be that, that the information is needed to know about somebody to educate them. But is it helpful? Proverbs eleven thirteen says, "Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is tr- is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered." It says that trustworthy people can keep information to themselves. Have you ever said something to somebody in confidence and then later find out that they've shared it with other people? It kind of reminds me of this video. Take a look at this. Simmer down and listen. Now, I got something to tell you that's important, and it's got to be kept quiet. Those fellows are from the Treasury Department. T? Right. Well, come on, give. Now, remember, this is top secret. You're talking to tight lips, Barney. All right, here goes. There's a shipment of gold coming through here tomorrow on its way to Fort Knox. Gold? You, you gold mean... bricks, a whole armored truckload. They're shipping it from the Denver Mint. You know what one truckload of gold bricks is worth? Over seven million dollars. Seven million? Oh, Andy, this is big. This is really big. It's big, all right. It's about the biggest thing that ever happened to this town. And it's got to be hush-hush. Thing that ever happened to this town. Oh, you kidding? You can count on me. All right, because if word ever got out, we'd have every crook and gang in the whole country headed for Mayberry. And we're responsible, you and me, for what else is the county line to the minute it leaves. Sarah, get me the Bluebird Diner. Now, remember, Barn. The Juanita? Barn. Listen, about tomorrow night, I'm afraid you're going to have to give me a little rain check on that. Well, something's come up. Pretty important. Now, I'd tell you about it, but I can't. No, no, it's nothing like that. This is something big. Now, you'd never guess this. <laughs> All right, go ahead, guess. <laughs> now, 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 th- this has something to do with a truck. A truck that's coming through here tomorrow. <laughs> All right, I'll give you one little hint. It's worth seven million dollars. <laughs> a rocket? No, 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 you're gold. Coal, you're coal. I didn't say gold. I said coal. Ignore what I said about gold, Juanita. Did you get that? I did not say gold. Hey, Andy. Hey, Gomer. Hey, Barney. Hey, Gomer. What time's the gold truck coming through? Barney. Well, he's a deputy. He had to know. I told you not to tell it. Barney didn't tell me. I got it from Laura Lee Hobbs up at the dime store. Laura Lee Hobbs? Yeah, it looks like it leaked out all right. Well, who can you trust these days? Who can you trust? You tell me. Well, not Gomer, that's for sure. Andy, this ain't good. This thing's got out of control. You you better call it off. I can't call it off. Well, you better phone the men or the president or somebody and tell them to stop that truck. They can't stop it. It already left. 
somewhere between here and Denver, there's seven million dollars headed for Mayberry. And you and me and Gomer and Laura Lee Hobbs, we're going to be here to receive it. Well, there you go. Old tight-lipped barn. If you ever seen that episode, the whole town ends up finding out. It's, it's really funny. I remember it reminds me back in the day, um, my kids asked me when they were really small, they said, Dad, what, what was it like when the, when the world was in black and white? And they seen these old shows and they just thought that everything was black and white back when I was a kid. So praise God, <laughs> where the world has been color. Well, uh, you're, you know, someone does that to you, but you're more than likely never to share information with them again. They destroy your trust. They broke your trust. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9 says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So the first area is lying, then we have gossip, the third area is obscene talk. Look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. He says, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. Verse 8, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and look what he says, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Here is a list of things that Paul says you should not see or hear in the life of a, of a believer, of a Christ follower. We should not hear slander. We should not hear lying. But he also says that we should not hear obscene talk coming from the mouth of a believer. Obscene talk, this is something that's also no longer frowned upon in today's culture. Today, we've kind of accepted foul language and obscene talk as your normal, everyday speech. Just watch primetime TV. Words that you have never have heard 10 years ago, they're now commonly used. One of them that I can think of is a five-letter word. It begins with a B, ends with an H. You fill in the blanks, but please don't do it out loud. But you'll notice that as you're watching even primetime television that this word is more of a common word that you hear. It's no longer bleeped out anymore. Watching a PG-13 movie, there were times, I remember the day that the, the swear words were very, very small or minor within a PG-13 movie, but now it's commonplace. The lines of the culture have shifted on this, and that's fine, that's going to happen but what I have seen is that we, Christians, we have shifted with the culture. Instead of being grounded in the Word of God and living our lives above reproach, we have allowed culture to define truth for us. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago when we talked about integrity. I have been quite surprised at the words I have heard coming out of the mouth of a believer. Now, will obscene talk keep you out of heaven? No, I don't believe that it will, but I will tell you this, it will damage your witness. 
I've told the story before that right after I was on, right, right after I was saved, I was on fire for God. And I was trying to, I went, worked at a window company and I was trying to witness to people there. I wanted everybody, I wanted God to do in, in everybody's life what he did in my life. And so I was sharing the good news with everybody. I was just one of those people. Well, there was one particular guy that had a desk right next to me that I was really working on. I mean, he sat right next to me so he wasn't getting away from it. I kept inviting him to church, I invited him to different events, etc., etc., but I also had a very foul mouth. I loved Jesus, but my mouth was foul. One day, I'll never forget this, this guy looked at me and he said, hey, aren't you a Christian now? He said, I thought you were a Christian. I said, well, duh, you know that. And he said, could have surprised me, you sure don't sound like one. Ouch. Talk about kicking a guy in his teeth. That stung a bit, but he wasn't wrong. My mouth was ruining my witness. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4, using a lot of scriptures today, but there are literally hundreds of verses on the power that our words carry. This is so important. It says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. I've seen people post on social media something degrading, something slanderous, something foul, and then the next post is a scripture. You've got to understand that your witness was already destroyed in the previous post. The scripture's not going to help. Because the unbeliever looks at your profile and he says, man, they're just like me. Minus the scripture, of course, I wouldn't post that. On August 3rd, 1776, George Washington wrote a letter to his soldiers specifically addressing the way they talked. Because George Washington was a man that understood the Word of God. We are a nation that is founded on the Word of God. George Washington heard about the obscene talk that was coming out of the mouths of his soldiers and he firmly believed that the hand of God and the favor of God would not rest upon them if they continued down that path. So here is what he wrote to his soldiers. He says, The general is sorry to be informed that the foolish and wicked practice of profane cursing and swearing, a vice hitherto... Hither, that's the words they used to use back in the day, hitherto. Man, how our language has shifted. Now we use words like yo and sup and things like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> A vice hitherto, little known in our American army, is growing into fashion. He hopes that the officers will, by example as well as influence, endeavor to check it and that both they and the men will reflect that we can little hope of the blessing of heaven on our army if we insult it by our impiety and folly. Added to this is a vice so mean and low without any temptation that every man of sense and character detests it and despises it. Signed, George Washington. So he said, guys, you should detest and despise this kind of talk. Oh my, how things have changed. James chapter 3 and verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in, in every, every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches 
but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Your tongue is a power to direct your life. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses. Listen, it curses those who have been made in the image of God. That's your neighbor, the person next to you. All of us have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. James tells us that if we can learn to control the tongue, then we can control ourselves in every other way but this is not easy to do we all fall for the trap of lying gossip and obscene talk all too often so with that being said here are some things that we can do these are things that i have learned to do to control this area of our life to keep us out of trouble these have served me well but i'm telling you i still get it wrong from time to time but four words i'm going to give you to remember Again, a lot of information. The first one, think before you speak. The word think. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 28 says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Most of the time, it's not good practice to say the first thing that comes to your mind. (laughs) Have you ever said have you ever said something that, you, that popped out and you said, oh man, I guess I, I would really wish I wouldn't have said that. I didn't come out right or, or whatever. You've probably heard the saying, talking about someone else, they sure don't have a filter. Non-filtered words are according to the word of God are foolish. Non-filtered words are foolish. You're going to get yourself in trouble. It's, it's not something you want to be proud of. We're told to think carefully before speaking. Again, have you ever been angry or frustrated at someone and you say something that you later regret? Hurting people hurt people. So naturally when we're hurting, we're angry, we're going to lash out, we're going to try to hurt them, saying things that we typically wouldn't say. We've all done that. So the first one is simply put, think before you speak. Secondly, speak less. Key key verse today, when words are many, sin is not absent. He who holds his tongue is wise. Abraham Lincoln said, it is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. (laughs) Next, become a better listener. James tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 19, he says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to listen to speak, and slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak. This is the one that I have to work on the most. I still struggle with this one, but I've made some progress compared to how I used to be. Because here's what's happened. Somebody is talking talking to me, 
and I get a thought that jumps into my head when they're talking. I don't want to forget my thoughts, so I interrupt them to tell them what I'm thinking without listening to them first. I do this to my poor wife all the time. Please pray for her. So what I'm trying to do now is keep the word listen in the forefront of my mind so I can remember, don't interrupt, don't interrupt, don't interrupt, listen to them. Even I've come to understand that even if I forget what I was going to say, then it probably wasn't that important anyway and I didn't need to say it. It's more important to listen and hear the person out. The last one then is to be an encourager. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25 says, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Let me ask, would you rather hang out with someone that pointed out all your flaws or would you rather hang out with someone that encouraged you and lift you up? Of course, we all want to be around the person that encourages us. We want to be around people that see the good in us. Let me tell you, the people that can point out your flaws are a dime a dozen. But the people that see the good in you and they call out the good in you, those people are harder to find. And that's, I can't control anybody else and neither can you, but that's the person that I want to be. I want to be the person that doesn't see the bad in you, that sees the good in you, that encourages you, that lifts you up. That's who I want to be. That's who I'm trying to be. I'm reminded of a, young, of, a, of a story of a young lady by the name of Mary, and I think I told this years ago. But the girl had grown up knowing that she was a bit different uh, from the other kids, and she hated it. As a matter, uh, guys, I'm going I'm to have you to kill the underscore. If we could have Sam come, up, come on up at this time, that would be great. Thank you guys so much. Um, but she was, uh, this, she was a little bit different than the other girls. She was born with what's known as a cleft palate. And because of that, when she was in school, she's the blunt of many jokes. And the children would tease her. They would, re, they would re, repeatedly be on her case and, and make fun of her. You know, that's kind of the way kids are. And they would call her such nasty names that she would many days end up in tears, wishing that she was never even born. She was convinced that no one outside of her family could ever love her. But then one day, she entered the classroom of a young teacher by the name of Mrs. Leonard. Mrs. Leonard had a warm smile, a round face, and brown hair. Mary would admit that she didn't remember a lot of her teachers, and you're probably the same way. You don't remember a lot of them, but there are certain teachers that you remember, and they're the teachers that had the greatest impact on your life. They the biggest encouragers to you. Those are the teachers that you typically remember. But she said, I would never forget this teacher. You see, back at this time, and this was in the 1950s, if I remember, it was common for teachers to give the children an annual hearing test. But in Mary's case, in addition to the cleft palate, she was also deaf in one ear or, or close to it. So she was fearful that if the other kids found out of her hearing deficiency as well, or the defect, they would make fun of her anymore, even more. So every year she would fake and cheat at this hearing test. The test was called a whisper test. And what you would do is you would send a kid to the, to the door by the classroom. And that you would turn one ear to the teacher and cover the other ear. And the teacher would then say something. And you had to, she would whisper it. It was a whisper test. And you would have to repeat it. And so Mary would turn her bad ear towards the teacher. But she would fake 
plugging up her other ear so she could hear the teacher. And often the teacher would say things like, the sky is blue, or what color are your shoes, or something like that. But this day would be different. There Mary stood, her bad ear towards Mrs. Leonard, her good ear, pretending to be covered. And it was at this point that she would hear the most seven beautiful words that she'd ever hear in her life. She later confessed that it was these seven words that completely transformed and changed her life because these seven words allowed her to see her in a way that she'd never seen herself before. When the whisper test came that cold winter morning, Mary heard the words from Mrs. Leonard and she said, I wish you were my little girl. Mary said she, at that point she, just, she began to weep. She couldn't even respond. Seven simple words that she said changed my life. You have the power to change someone's life, good or bad, by the words that you speak. You have the power to change their life. Think, hold, listen, encourage. Think, hold, listen, encourage. Think before you speak. Hold your tongue, listen to other people, and be an encourager. That is the path of wisdom. Could I have you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, we just want to thank you for your, for your word, God. We want to thank you, Lord, of, for its directing us, guiding us. Lord, I know that this is something that we all struggle with. And I know that this is something that we'll walk out of this place and we'll get it wrong again. I know I will. But God, I just pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask. I ask you to move in the lives of every one of us in this room, those of us watching online right now. And God, when we do step out of line and maybe we say something, God, that is actually damaging to someone or it's hurting someone, God, I pray, Father, that you would just give us that check in our spirit to let us know, God, that we're getting a little bit off track and to get back to that place of wholesome talk like you desire, that wholesome talk that will actually lead people closer to you. And so, Father, today, that is my prayer for all of us, God, that we would hold these things, that we would think before we speak, that we would hold our tongue, that we would remember to listen to others and that we would be an encourager to other people as well. God, and I just want to thank you, Lord, for that, God. Guide us all as we leave this place today, Lord. Let this word continue to be on our thoughts and on our heart this entire week as we interact with other people. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. I want you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed.